we are in for a certain treat today because of who's here this weekend to preach at us. Our guest speaker this weekend is a man named Alex Che. He's happily married to Debbie. His daughter is here with him, uh, them this weekend. And Alex, just so you know, was one of our earliest prayer partners of Journey Church. He was praying for us back in the day when Journey was just a dream, a hope, a vision. And he's been praying with us ever since then. Uh, when I first met him, Alex was pastoring a thriving church in uh, a little community called Missoula, Montana. I know you wouldn't have much of a reason to hear of that play, a little town about 160 miles west of, of uh, Bozeman, um, what we like to call the epicenter of Montana, right here in Bozeman. Uh, the epicenter, right here. Uh, and from Missoula, Alex was called to Billings to pastor there, and as of late, finds himself uh, in the place, what one person has called the land between. Alex is absolutely passionate about helping people come to faith in Christ and be rooted and established and grown up in him. Uh, one very dear friend and I were talking about Alex, all good stuff, I promise. Uh, and this guy I hold in very, very high regard said, you know, I've been sitting under Alex's ministry for a couple of years now. And he said, when Alex communicates the gospel, God does amazing and very special things, which is about the highest compliment a person could ever receive, isn't it? And so on that note, would you please give a very warm Journey Church welcome to our friend Alex. We'll get him. Love you, buddy. Love you too. Well, it is awesome to be with you here at Journey. And I want to tell you, the more I get to know your pastor, the more my respect for him grows. It's been delightful this weekend to get to know them. Now, I married a Montanan from Missoula, so you might think we're Grizz fans, maybe, but my son surprised us, and even as we speak, he's driving up to Bozeman to enroll at MSU, so it has complicated our family a bit. Stay tuned. Well, today... We're talking about humility, and humility is such an elusive thing. It's like trying to step on your own shadow, isn't it? A pastor walked into the sanctuary one day, and he was just overwhelmed at his sense of unworthiness, and he fell to his knees, and he began to cry out, Lord, I am nothing. Lord, I am nothing. A little while later, the associate pastor was walking by, and Noticed the lead pastor there on his knees and decided to follow his example. So he went into the sanctuary and knelt next to the lead pastor. And he too began to cry out, Lord, I am nothing. Lord, I am nothing. Well, the worship pastor noticed that his pastors were there. And they were so humble and so contrite. And he decided he would go into the sanctuary. And he too knelt next to them and began to lament, Lord, I am nothing. Lord, I am nothing. Well, the janitor had been watching this whole scene for a while, and there were his spiritual leaders, so humble before God, that he laid down his broom, and he knelt beside the pastors, and he too began to cry out, Lord, I am nothing. Lord, I am nothing. When the senior pastor heard the janitor's voice, he looked over at the associate pastor with a sneer and said, Huh? Look who thinks he's nothing. <laughs> Humility. If someone said to you, you are such a humble person, what would you say? Uh, why, yes, thank you. I know, I am. 
humility. We all need it, but do we really want it? Well, we're going to look at a scripture today. We're going to look at a, a story that Jesus told to help us understand genuine humility. There are two main characters in this story found in Luke chapter 18, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, since you are not likely to bump into either one of them at the mall, let's talk about them for a moment. In that day, a Pharisee was religious and a tax collector was irreligious. A Pharisee was respectable and a tax collector was despicable. You see, few people were hated more by the Jews in the Roman Empire than tax collectors because a tax collector was not only a traitor, a Jew working for the Roman Empire, they were often cheaters as well. As they were collecting taxes for the Roman Empire amongst their own people, they would actually collect more than they needed to and they would pocket the change and they were getting rich off their own people. So tax collectors were absolutely despised. Now, this particular parable or story was told to a religious crowd and it's going to have a surprise ending. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Verse 13, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Now, if you were part of the religious crowd of that day and you were listening to the story that Jesus was telling, you were about to be rocked back on your heels because this story has a surprise ending. You see, there was no way any religious person could conceive of a tax collector being the hero of a story that involved the temple and prayer. But that's exactly what happens. Verse 14. I tell you, this man, meaning the tax collector, went to his house justified or right with God rather than the other who was the Pharisee. And here is the moral of the story. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Would you read out loud with me that phrase from Luke 18, 14? Ready? For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, if after hearing this story, this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, you're thinking to yourself, thank God I'm not like this Pharisee, you really need to listen to the moral of this story. 
And if you're laughing inside and you're saying, thank God I'm not like the people who said, thank God I'm not like the Pharisee, you too need to listen to the moral of the story. The reality, reality is every one of us needs to understand what Jesus is saying here. He is saying if we humble ourselves, we will be exalted, but if we exalt ourselves, we will be humble. If you remember just one thing this morning, here it is. In the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, the only way up is down. You can write that in your outline. In the kingdom, the only way up is down. You know, the problem with the Pharisee was not his theological aptitude. It was his attitude. It was the contempt he had for the tax collector. Now, Jesus wasn't saying we should adopt the lifestyle of the tax collector because he was a cheater and a swindler, but we're to learn something from the humility of this tax collector. You know, the longer we're in church, the more we hear truth, the more tempting it is to become cynical and contemptuous of other people. There's a story of a man who was walking on a bridge, and he noticed a guy at the edge of the bridge ready to jump off, and he ran over to him. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. You have so much to live for. And the guy said, like what? Well, he asked him, well, are you religious or atheist? And the guy said, I'm religious. He said, are you Christian or Jewish? And he said, I'm Christian. He said, me too. He said, well, are you Catholic or Protestant? He said, I'm Protestant. He said, me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? He said, Baptist. He said, me too. Now, are you Baptist Church of God or are you Baptist Church of our Lord? He said, I'm Baptist Church of God. He said, no way. I'm Baptist Church of God too. Now, are you original Baptist Church of God or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God? He said, I'm Reformed Baptist Church of God. He said, me too. He said, now wait a minute. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1879? Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915? The guy that was about ready to jump said, well, I'm Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915. And the guy looked at him and he pushed him over and he said, die, heretic scum. <laughs> you see, when we become spiritually mature, we don't grow in our contempt for people, we grow in our compassion for people. And the example of this tax collector that we want to follow is that he was broken before God. Because in the kingdom of God, the only way up is down. We're going to look at one of the most amazing passages about humility that you'll find in the Bible. Philippians chapter 2, and it describes this incredible act of humility that is the greatest act in human history, and it's also the greatest act of humility in all of eternity. And it centers around the person of Jesus Christ. Now, this letter to the Philippians is called Philippians because it was written to the believers that lived in Philippi. And let's talk for just a moment of what life was like in Philippi because it will give us a greater appreciation and a greater understanding of what Paul was communicating to us in this passage. 
Philippi was this obscure little settlement until gold was discovered there. There was an ancient gold rush, and the city became wealthy and became a leading city in the Roman Empire. If you were a citizen of Philippi, you had dignity and you had privilege. And it was all about appearance and rank and position. You wanted people to know that this was a Giorgio Armani toga. Because that would help people know that you were of the highest class. It was all about your title. All about your image. It was all about your rank. It was all about prestige. Everybody wanted to be top dog. They wanted to be so important in Philippi, in the Roman Empire. It's in this kind of cultural setting that Philippians chapter 2 was written. Follow along as I read. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto tightly, but emptied himself, literally laid aside or emptied himself of his privileges, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the greatest example of humility that we will ever find. It says he was in very nature God, unlimited in his power, surrounded by glory. He chose to come to earth and to take on a human body with all its limitations so that he might restore you and I into relationship with the Heavenly Father. We can't comprehend what an act of humility it is for God to become a man. But he didn't even make his grand entrance into humanity in Rome, the great city of the day. He didn't even make his entrance through Philippi, one of the leading uh, cities, he was born in this obscure little town called Bethlehem amongst a marginalized people that the Roman Empire largely ignored. And not only did he do that, he chose to be a servant and not to be served, but to give his life to serve others. And then he humbled himself to die for your sins and my sins, and not only was he obedient to the point of death, the scriptures say he was obedient to the point of death on a Roman cross. If you were sentenced to death on a cross, the goal was not just to kill you, which it would do in the most excruciating way that you can imagine. It was also meant to humiliate you and shame you. 
Here is the Son of God, unlimited in all His power, lays aside His privileges, takes on the form of a man, takes on a human body, chooses to be a servant, and then because He loves you and me so much, He dies on a cross. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. No one, absolutely no one, has ever humbled himself like Jesus. And because of that, no one will ever be exalted like him. And that is why every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's why he is worthy of our lives and worthy of our worship. You know, when I think about humble people and I scan history and, and the great figures even of our day, I think about a woman like Mother Teresa. Here is this little nun that could have lived a comfortable life and yet she chose to humble herself and work among the poorest of the poor in Calcutta. And Mother Teresa had something to say about humility that I think is very profound, but you're not going to like it. I don't even know if I should share it with you. I don't like it because I think it's true. Should I just skip it or do you want to hear it? You're not going to like it, I promise you. But here it is. She says, the way you become humble is through humiliation. You know what happens in humiliation? Our pride is hurt. Our selfishness and our sinfulness is exposed and it's not much fun, folks. But Jesus did not say, take up your lazy boy and come follow me. He said, take up your cross and come follow me. In 1991, we started a church in Polson, Montana, and God blessed it beyond what we ever expected. But through a set of medical issues with my son, the same one that's moving up here to Bozeman, we had a move in 1996. We loved the church. We loved our home, we loved the community, but we, we just had to leave. Our son was so sick. Now, we moved during the winter of 1996, which was one of the worst winters in recorded history in Montana, and we moved to Hawaii. <laughs> so when we told people God called us to Hawaii during one of the worst winters in history, do you think we got any sympathy Absolutely not, but he really did call us to Hawaii. We did not want to leave Montana, but we ended up in Hawaii at one of the fastest growing churches in America called New Hope Christian Fellowship. It was an amazing two years on staff. We learned so much about ministry, forever changed our perspective about church. And as wonderful as all that was, we didn't just sit at Waikiki and sip lemonade. We had some hard times, some stretching times, and some painful times. And I remember one day, um, in this minivan with my friend Beth, Beth was the pastor's wife of a pastor who actually moved from Whitefish, Montana to Hawaii. So we're all there at the same time. Some other people in the van, her kids. And we're talking about what God's doing in our lives, especially about how God's humbling me because I went from being a senior pastor, a big fish in a little pond, to a little fish in a very big pond. And as wonderful as that experience was in Hawaii, it was also very humbling to me. And God was exposing areas of pride in my life through that situation. And I'm talking to my friend Beth, and I have this overwhelming sense of my pride, and I begin to cry. Now, 
I'm not much of a crier to begin with, but I don't really like to cry in public. And I don't really like to cry in front of other women. And she looked over at me like, oh, what's going on with you? It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. But it was necessary because there were some things in my heart that needed to be exposed if I was going to become more like Christ. More recently, we went through a very uh, difficult, actually we're still in that uh, process. Uh, it was a surprise to us. Our world was turned upside down, very humbling and at times humiliating, painful thing that our family was facing. We had never faced anything like this uh, ever as a family, and, and here we were. And it affected our future, affected our finances. And, and day after day, I would ask the Lord, what's going on? God, where are you in all of this? This does not make sense. This is very confusing, and this is very painful. And so I began to ask the Lord a simple question. Lord, what am I going to do? Because I'm a doer. Are there any doers out there? Planners, doers, activity, that's good. Waiting, not knowing, that's not good. You understand what I'm talking about? So every day I'm waking up and here's my prayer. God, what am I going to do? Crickets chirping. Next day I wake up. God, what do you want me to do? Nothing. As my uh, wife says and you know, she's from Montana, so uh, you'll appreciate this. She says, God knows he just ain't telling us. I don't know if that's great Greek, but it's pretty, pretty good Montanan, and it's good theology. And he wasn't answering that question, and then suddenly I hear this other question being whispered into my ear by the Holy Spirit. And the question I hear is, who are you going to become in this process? He's not answering what am I going to do. He's asking me, who are you going to become through this difficult season of your life? And I'd like for all of us to ask a simple question this morning. It's in your outline. Where is God allowing me to be humbled right now? Where is God allowing me to be humbled right now? Is it in your marriage? You know, one time I was talking to a men's group and I said, how do you know if you're humble? It's a good question, isn't it? I got some pretty deep theological responses, but the one I'll never forget, a guy said, just ask your wife. <laughs> That's a good response. You ever been humbled in your marriage or in a family situation? Is the Lord allowing you to be humbled at work? Do you have a bad boss or some... Uh, nasty co-workers, or do you have a scenario where you're getting blamed for things that aren't your fault? Uh, are you being humbled at work, or maybe you're humbled because you don't have work, and we understand what that feels like? There's a humbling in that process. What about in your finances? Have you ever been humbled financially? I find God gets my attention in a hurry when it comes to money issues. What about in your relationships? Have you been humbled by a significant other? By a boyfriend or a girlfriend? By someone that you respected or loved? Why is God allowing that humbling to take place in your life? You know, there are two responses to a season of humbling where we can choose to humble ourselves or exalt ourselves. 
We can either endure this season or we can embrace this season. There's a big difference. Here's what it means to endure humbling and humiliating circumstances. It's giving mental assent. Yeah, I know, God, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Now, you work all things together for good. Yep, you love me. But can we just fix this thing? Can we get on with the program? Can we get rid of the pain and the embarrassment? Okay, I know that stuff's true. We talk about it, but come on. Let's just get this thing over with. That's called enduring it. And you can come out of that season no better than you went into it. If you just grit your teeth and you endure it, and you're not allowing God to work on your heart. Here's the other way to go through the season. It's to embrace it. It's to say, Lord, this does not make sense. I don't know why you're allowing this to happen. I can't figure it out. I can't plan my way out of this. I can't talk my way out of this. For some reason, you have humbled me, and I am going to embrace this season, and I'm going to take up my cross because when the dust settles, if I have to go through this pain to become more like you, you've set the example for me. You did that for me. I am willing to go through what you've set before me so that I can become more like you. Because in the kingdom, the only way up is how? It's down. I want us to read out loud a scripture from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. But I don't want you to just read words. Because this is the word of God. And I don't want you to just read the word of God. I want you to read the word of God made alive to you and your circumstances right now by the Holy Spirit. This is God speaking to you and to you and to you and to you. So as you read these words, let God's word and God's spirit touch you right where you're at. Read this out loud with me. Ready? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So here's the choice we have. Will we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? And friends, that's the hand of protection. It's the hand of provision. It's the hand of peace in our lives. Will we fight and kick against what God is doing or will we come to a place of humility and say, Lord, I come under your mighty hand. And, and then do you know what the Bible says? At the right time, which is his time, not our time, he's going to lift us up because then we will be ready for that promotion. And why can we have a sense of peace and purpose through all this? The verse we just read says, because he cares for you. So you can cast your stress, your frustrations, your anxieties. Just give it all to him. Why? Because he cares for you. Sometimes when we go through a difficult situation, we can think, God doesn't love me. Because if he loved me, he wouldn't let this happen. But do you know what I find to be so true? I think he, he allows us to go through those things precisely because he loves us. And he knows that the only way up is down. And he's humbling us because he wants to lift us up. So that is the decision that all of us have to make today. I want to close with a quote from Sir Francis Drake, who was an explorer, a naval pioneer during the Elizabethan era. And he says this, Disturb us, Lord, 
when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity, and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. We're losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push us into future, into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. In the kingdom of God, the only way up is down. Would you bow your heads with me and want to invite you to just go ahead and close your eyes for a moment. Take these next few minutes to allow God to speak to you by His Spirit. You're not here by accident. God brought you here because He wanted to talk to you through His Word. And in just a minute, I want to give an opportunity for some of you to make a very important decision. A decision to humble yourself before the Lord. You see, without humility, we can't enter the kingdom of God because it's humility that causes us to see our need for God's grace and forgiveness. And if you're here and you're thinking, I'm just not good enough, I'm just not strong enough, I'm just not courageous enough, I'm just not wise enough to do life on my own, I need Jesus. And I'm going to make a decision right now to humble myself before the one who humbled himself for me so that I might have forgiveness, that I might be restored into relationship with this God who loves me so much. And I'm willing to admit there is selfishness and sinfulness in my life that keeps me from being the person that God wants me to be. See, pride adds complexity to our lives and we spend way too much time trying to be someone we're not. When we walk in humility, there's an authenticity and a freedom just to be who God created us to be. And if you're making a decision, perhaps for the first time, to say, Jesus, I believe you are who you are and I believe you died on the cross for me and I'm going to humble myself before you and I want to say yes to you, to your purposes, to your plan for my life. I want to be a follower of Christ today. If that's your decision, I want to invite you simply to lift up your hand. And then would you keep that hand up long enough so I can make eye contact with you? Because I want to make this personal. If that's your desire and you're saying yes to Jesus, just go ahead and slip up your hand this morning. And then look up at me so I can, yeah, thank you. Yes, I agree with you. Anyone else this morning who would say, yes, in the very back, God's grace to you. Anyone else this morning who would say, I'm just going to hump, yeah, partner with you as well. Thanks for having the courage to do that. Anyone else this morning who would say, I'm giving my life to Christ. I want to say yes to him. Yes. God's grace to you. Yes. I agree with you as well. God bless you. I have no idea what your life looks like outside these doors, but he does. 
And he's going to be with you 24-7 as you reach out to him. Anyone else this morning who would say, I want to say yes to this great gift of self. Yes, I agree with you. Lord, bless you. I may see your hand, but know that the Lord sees your heart. But just take another moment. Make sure we give everyone an opportunity that would like to respond. Anyone else today who would say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to follow him. He is worthy for me to serve him and to worship him. Yes, I see your hand as well. God bless you. Yes, 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 yes to you. Jesus, we are so grateful to you. Your love for us is beyond comprehension. But you proved that in such a tangible, such a real way by giving your life for us. And today, whether we are saying yes to you for the first time or for the hundredth time, we want to say you are worthy and you are trustworthy. Lord, I pray especially for those that have made a decision to follow you. Would you make their hearts come alive to your word? Would you open their eyes to see your plan and your purpose for them? Would you give them strength to overcome the things that they cannot overcome in their own power? And Lord, thank you for the miracle of a new birth that's taking place. Lord, may your hand be upon them, not only today, but for the rest of their days on into eternity. And we give you thanks in Jesus' wonderful name.